This podcast is presented by Inside Out Music. And this month's featured release is by a band called Molly Baron. Their new album is called Something Ominous. And if that isn't ominous enough for you, then I don't know what to tell you, man. You need less drama in your life. Hey, everyone. Devin here again for the next interview on the Devin Townsend podcast. Today's guest is Tosin Abasi. Tosin is uh, a member of the brilliant band Animals as Leaders. Um, he is a innovative thinker, incredible player, uh, amazing mind, and a solid dude. I'm very happy to know him and very happy to interview him. So that being said, uh, I'm just coming out of uh, head cold and my brain... You ever have those days when your brain is just... You can't think of the words that you're trying to say. The most rudimentary things. I was struggling with that while doing this interview today, so forgive my uh, absent-mindedness during this. But uh, until next month, enjoy. Tosin. Genius. See ya. I really appreciate you doing this, man. I know it's Sunday and it's a fucking doing this shit sucks, man. So thank you. <laughs> I, I, I love talking to you. So, um, <laughs> so it's fine. Okay. Great, um, man. I'm trying to get my AirPods. Okay. Wait, go ahead and talk. Hey, Hey, Hey. <sighs> yeah. I feel like, okay. Well, if you go to preferences on the corner where of zoom and just go up to preferences and then go down to audio. Then you can select yeah. you can select your your input and output there. I think uh, Zoom preferences audio output. Okay, ah, yeah, dude, a true genius. I am actually surprised that you'd consider yourself a luddite. <laughs> uh, you know the actual definition of like I am not a luddite. What's the uh, actual definition of of luddite? So I feel the Luddites were an actual community of people that were anti, I think this was during the Industrial Revolution, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I think for legitimate reasons, they were opposed to this proliferation of technology that was like going to replace them, um, if I'm not mistaken. But now it's kind of used as like someone who's just anti-technology, <laughs> which neither you nor I are. So... <laughs> Well, that's a that's a good place to start, man, because it's like uh this is the the second interview that I've done and I'm I'm trying to learn how to do it and one of the main things is just shutting the fuck up. That's the hardest thing to do when you're when you're actually in the position of asking people questions because you so often just want to interject with your with your thoughts. I struggle to find people that I want to talk to. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? I get it. Yeah. And we've we've toured enough together that I've really enjoyed our interactions, man. They're like uh, similar pages, and it's it's. I just I'd be uh, thrilled to ask you some of the same questions that I'm struggling with myself, and in hopes that um, the insights into your process will be of some value to the people who are watching this. So, oh yeah, I love it. Right on, man. Okay, so. I think the first thing that I'd love to ask you is before we get too deep into the the conceptual aspects of it, at this time of your life, when you're in a compositional stage, what's your process look like? Are you doing it with 
on your own with the DAW or are you jamming with a band or are you with a drummer or what's it look like at this mm. point? Mm. Okay. Okay. The process isn't too different where all the ideas begin on the guitar and it's usually because I'll be messing around maybe mindlessly and then some musical happy accident occurs and you kind of notice it and you're like, oh, whoa, that was kind of cool. And then I'll try to capture that. And then, then I begin a conscious, a conscious process of like, oh, I should drop a beat here or I need a new chord, but I'll, it's usually a spontaneous thing where I like find myself almost spontaneously playing the seeds of a new riff or a new idea. Um, and it's always been like that. And I used to keep a mental bank of these and I would refine them over time, maybe add parts, but I just had a, like a working memory of like these little riff fragments. Then sometimes I realized a few of them go together. Um, but it's so, so guitar centric because that's effectively, that's my only, that is my primary tool is the guitar, you know? Um, this is well before everyone was like using DAWs and rec had home recording setups and all this stuff. So I just have somehow always stuck to this as like the starting point of a musical idea. And then usually um, maybe I'll make a little demo inside of like Logic or something like that just to kind of catalog it. But um, when it's time to record an album, I usually bring forth all these partial ideas to the band. And then, then we all begin to kind of compose together. So we'll track in, maybe there's three riffs um, or two, and we'll track them in to a DAW and then we'll begin to program drums and then start to mess with the arrangement. And then maybe Javier is going to add a layer or he has a, he has something he's been working on independently that actually isn't works with what I'm doing. But um, I don't really have like a magical process other than taking edibles every once in a while and escaping myself you know do you uh so when you say that you're documenting it sort of internally so so that's still the case so you're making mental uh mental notes as to which of those ideas are intriguing and then the ones that are intriguing enough just inevitably are the ones that stick around i guess right yeah so i've had large periods of time where i felt like i could write a song every day type of thing and then I'm like, well, not all these songs are created equal. Um, it's an interesting exercise. I've heard of some songwriters actually tasking themselves with writing almost daily or turning that into its own process of refinement where you're less concerned with the, the songs themselves than the process of writing the songs and how maybe through really like doing that as like a diligent thing, you can actually refine your songwriting ability. So that's something I've toyed with. And I've noticed you have like a prolific output. So I feel like you might be in this category of like constantly inspired and then also like just churning out the songs. Like there there will be songs. It's like, I don't know what percentage of songs you're not writing, but the percentage of songs you are writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's exactly what you say, man. It's 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 I think when I'm in the frame of mind where I'm churning it out, it's much more about the process. And conceptually it's 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 conceptually it's almost entirely about the process but i find that there's to the detriment of the songs that have a long-term uh, uh impact on myself where i'm able to reflect on those pieces of music and say okay those accurately defined a certain period of time 
rarely were those ones based on uh, churning it out. It's the ones that, like mm. you say, were like a spark of an idea that just sort of gestate over time and then they become undeniable. Mm. So when you're when you are writing is like because obviously animals is a is a is a group. Mm. But when you're writing, how how much does concept play into your work? You know, it's a good question because I feel like I am inspired by all sorts of concepts. Like I love science fiction, but I also love like brutalist architecture or I love um, fashion, certain design. Um, so there's an aesthetic universe and it's not all art or music, but aesthetics is the sort of central theme to certain things the things I'm talking about, whether they inspire awe or they require creativity or. So when I go to write, I feel, I feel like it is trying to distill a lot of these aesthetic sort of um, these things I appreciate aesthetically. I'm trying to distill them into like the musical version of that. Right. So I want the listener to have some sort of impact that whether they know it or not, kind of gives them hints of the things that us all that are always floating around in my mind you know awesome dude <laughs> man I, it's i'm so glad to hear you say that i relate uh so much and it seems like an abstract concept to to some other people that i've i've talked to about uh similar topics could you go further mm. into it so like when it comes to aesthetics like brutalist architecture or i know that you your hobbies would include like automobiles and and the design of of your guitars are all aesthetically. And when I look at the artwork for a lot of the the work that you guys have done recently, it's got a very definite vibe that each record mm. you put on. It's almost like you're trying to introduce, like you say, to your audience, like, well, here's a frame of mind that you can rely upon when you when you get into this record. Mm. Um, in 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 a real practical sense. Um, how would you explain your process of of articulating something that's not music into a musical form? Yeah, okay, that's a good question. I there's low hanging fruit like with song titles, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> you can literally label a song in a way that steers the thoughts of the listener in a certain way. Um, like we have a song called "An Infinite Regression," and I was reading some book and. I'll often be reading and I'll steal like I'll steal a sentence or a fraction of a sentence and use it out of context for whatever reason it leaps out of me. And I'm like, Oh, that's a good song title. Um, and I've started doing this with things that are absolutely, you'd never name a song. This, I wish I had some, some examples, but it's like, I'll text next time. Like I think of when I'm going to text you. Yeah, I'd love it. <laughs> Cause I, I think you'd appreciate this, but um. So the low hanging fruit, as far as like giving the listener a conceptual framework is what you call the song. You know, um, I think you're really good at, at this actually with like a lot of your song titles or album titles. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, even without the lyrics, it's like, I kind of get the environment in which this is going to take place. Um, so I don't have lyrics, but I'll name songs, stuff like arithmophobia, where it's like, I like the idea of an irrational fear of numbers. And that particular song was this, it was actually a drum composition where we wrote the notes to the drums and it's super angular and counterintuitive. So I was like, 
the song will exist and then I will reverse engineer kind of what I'm feeling from the song and a, attach a song title to it that usually evokes in some direction what I think the vibe of the song is. Um, the other thing you can do is just the aesthetic of the, like the production, um, how much ambience is in the, the background, how much is like synthetic sound sources versus like drums, bass, and guitar. Um, I don't know if you've thought about this, but it's like, this happens to me a lot where I'll be playing the guitar on my own and I'll realize that if I didn't treat it like a metal song, the same like musical idea could be represented in a totally different genre and still have some musical worth. Mm -hmm. So part of the aesthetic is the fact that we are choosing to have like distortion on the guitars and heavy drums and all of these, these are aesthetic choices too. It's packaged. It's like kind of this, Animals as Leaders has this progressive metal packaging, right? So that is like a sonic aesthetic. Um, and then I think the third opportunity is with artwork, like you were mentioning, where it's like, that is super impactful. Like the way you, um, it's like, what fonts are you choosing? What what color palette, what imagery? Cause like, it's interesting. And I don't, I don't know if you, I feel like you're always gonna release albums. Like you'll never just be like, download it on Spotify and here's the thing or whatever. But it's like, we remember holding like physical records and looking through the booklet while you're listening to the album. And like the artwork was super meaningful. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you think of the record, you think of the artwork or any number of these things. So I think that is like another low hanging fruit for like kind of giving your, your work an aesthetic, um, an aesthetic sort of communication and then the last part is a little bit more in, in the harmony and in the rhythms. And it's like, so you and I both like modal harmony, you know, I think that's an aesthetic you don't find out. So it's evocative, like using mo modal harmony is evocative, especially when you sing, you don't always hear people singing in Lydian or something like that. So it hits the brain from this sort of outside angle. So I'm always searching for harmony that, sits outside of people's comfort zones um, because I want to elicit a response in them that is not super available, but I want them to feel something, but not be quite sure what it is they're feeling. If that makes sense. It does. So, yeah. That's my central. It's like, that's pretty central to how I want to use harmony and rhythm. It's like novel experiences that feel like, an amalgam it's it's not quite sad but it's not quite not sad <laughs> it's not you know what I mean? it's like oh this is just it's 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 like this is a kind of a disconcerting or uncomfortable melody but it's also kind of melodic you know so there's all these little tricks you can do to kind of induce that feeling well that leads me to uh uh two questions about that so first off do you consciously uh, architect your intent. So with that, I mean, do you focus on things in your daily life that would uh, provoke in you things that um, push you towards an aesthetic that you're interested in? Like, do you, is your, is your, is your daily life um, a part of your compositional uh, uh, world? And then the second part of the question is, do you think it would be possible to teach people how to follow this kind of uh compositional um uh method mm. 
I am not as fully in- integrated as that question sounds like where my waking life is part of my creative process in a conscious way. Mm. But I th- I think that's super, you know what, maybe once the album process has begun, you're kind of in a headspace. And I feel like you probably relate to this, but then like you're working on the record and then you're probably constantly thinking about it through your daily, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think when that process begins, then I'm kind of like a little bit more infusing the creative process into like my waking life. Even if I'm not holding a guitar, I might be thinking in that direction, but I haven't really, I personally have a relationship with creativity where there are big swaths of time where at least lately where I don't really play guitar and I kind of like take a few weeks off and I am not thinking about it. And I'm, maybe I'm not even listening to that much music. And then uh, for whatever reason, I get these intermittent bursts of inspiration. And then it's like, there's riffs. I don't know why, but now the guitar seems fresh and I'm spitting this stuff out. Mm. So that is kind of what I've accepted as like part of my process, like allowing this like ebb and flow of inspiration. Um, I haven't developed this sort of like thoroughly integrated way of life where I'm always channeling uh, creativity into my waking life and vice versa. Uh, Could you teach it? You probably could teach, you could attempt to teach most things, but I don't know if you could successfully teach, you know, it's like people study Shakespeare, but because you can distill it into, you know, literary concepts doesn't mean that you're going to produce a Shakespeare. No, I I mean, I absolutely know what you mean. I think more so than, than even reaching for those sorts of heights. When I was listening to your, your most recent record uh, on the way to do the tour, I remember looking at the cover and thinking the music sounds like that, Mm -hmm. you know? And then when, and then when he released the video, it was like the video sounds like the album cover suggested the music was going to sound. Next question I, I would love to ask is, okay, so you're saying you're not playing a lot. And I totally relate, man. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. It's like hard to like just actually sit and practice guitar, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you deal with uh, a writer's block? Writer's block used to be more distressing to me. And I would feel like I needed to deal with it. Um. And I would do things like really embrace that I'm a guitar player first. And I'd be like, oh, well, you might need to just like learn some more stuff on the guitar. So I'd I've, I'd like go online and search out either new music. New Finding an album you're in love with for me is one of the best ways to become inspired because you're just like, you get that feeling again. Mm. And I don't know why, but it's like when someone releases a body of work that makes me feel feelings for some reason, it gives me some sort of motivation to do the same. Mm. Um, mm. Sometimes I even, even, even emulation, I might be like, dude, I love how minimal this is, or I love how maximalist, is, but whatever, um, it can inspire um, new inspiration. So if that doesn't happen, I'll literally just learn new concepts on the guitar, mm. like discovering new scales, Um, Not like there's an endless amount of scales, but the guitar is funny where it's like you can know how to play and still learn things. And especially if you if you look outside of your own 
box you can find like either rhythmic concepts or melodic concepts so i've escaped writer's block by just becoming a student again very often i mean like i'm gonna what's harmonic major i didn't know there was a harmonic major scale like whoa this has some interesting intervals in it and then that usually starts like the ball rolling um it's kind of interesting to me that the guitar is fixed like the same amount of frets the same amount of strings but you are the variable so like the guitar doesn't change but you are always in a state of a type of fluidity so every time you touch this static instrument it's actually you that is bringing forth new things from this thing the guitar is a physical object that technically isn't different than the last time you picked it up <laughs> but you are you know what i mean yeah it's a and hammer it's, <laughs> low key <laughs> um and there's a lot of shit to nail in it's like it doesn't get old but it's kind of like cool so <laughs> um so sometimes i try to recognize that if i'm feeling stuck uh there's probably some internal change that should occur because the guitar is not going to change mm. um and then uh that's the great. other yeah that's great man that's a that's a i think that's actually very helpful to people to actually recognize that uh even as a even as a a sideline if you are stuck because i'm sure you get asked uh at least as much as i do what do you do when you get stuck but perhaps the fact that you're stuck uh is in in part uh you could even perceive it as as okay well there's a there's a block there that I'm not past that next level up that I need to get through by either dealing with this or getting through this difficult period or this bland period or whatever it is, is uh, something that uh, is less about the instrument and less about changing guitars or getting a new amp or whatever, and more about just this is another question I was going to ask and uh, forgive me for them being as, as, you know, out there as they are. It's good actually when, when, um, when people, uh don't relate to it as well because that helps in a sense but the question is with that in mind what's the foundation of your intent it sounds stupid but what i guess i'm trying to say is like so what is it that started your journey into music and what keeps you in it like that the the impetus to create what is that rooted in if you were to dig at it dang yeah I feel like we're deep enough into our careers to where it's like thinking about what made you want to start can be like, it's like, did you lose touch with the thing that made you want to do all this in the first place? You know, mm. for me, it was that I noticed when I was a little kid listening to MTV, that if like a certain Michael Jackson song came on or a certain Whitney Houston or something, I would like feel happier or want to move around. And I, I think I noticed like, damn, every time this song comes on, I feel a thing. And I found that really interesting <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why, but it was like the vibe change felt kind of, it didn't feel mundane. And I was like, so that was like the first seed. And then honestly, when I first started playing guitar, it seemed like one of many activities like skateboarding and video games and then guitar. <laughs> um. I found some weird, it, I just fixated on the process of not being able to do something and then spending time practicing it and then being able to do it 
three days later or a week later or a month later. And I didn't think much further beyond that, but I thought it was cool that the result was music. It's mm. like, Oh, he can play that song. That's always on the radio, you know? And it was like these little small victories, but I realized that the flow state of practice, I think that, I think I was actually responding to the whole flow state thing mm. where you don't notice how much time has passed and you feel fully focused and integrated. Like it's kind of this, conscious experience of coherence that is like the flow states are a thing mm-hmm. you, the listener you should you should look at it. i know you know what these are um so what made me want to start making my own music i think was uh I, I never really consciously thought about it but i felt like that's what you should do if you are playing an instrument like not only do you know how to play people's stuff but you make stuff too yeah but the first music that inspired me was actually Nirvana, where I felt like complex emotions. It's like this guy, this is dark, but it also like is like kind of pissed, but it's also kind of like the lyrics were strangely like nonsensical at times. And as a young kid, I hadn't encountered this is not Whitney Houston. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's I like see. Kurt Cobain had some demons. Like, <laughs> so did Whitney Houston, though, to be fair. Thought, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. They just didn't end up in her. The producers didn't let her put her demons into the into which, her music. Which is a shame, I think. On some level, it would have been awesome if she had that one album that her Ooh. fan base was just like, holy shit, man. Like, that's, you yeah, know, that's too that's, real. That's too real, man. Like, what was too that one real. I heard the other day with Pat Metheny that was with thurston moore like the he did the song and it's just it's noise right and it's yeah but i love the fact that that was a part of his his canon of work and and forgive me for just asking all these questions again but i i love the idea as well that that what it seems like on some level is it's uh the complexity of the emotions were were like a puzzle in a way Mm. to sort you're like well let's like well there's there's a bunch of things happening at the same time and and that's making me feel that within myself so what are the components to that yes yes so you're starting with this raw emotional experience of emotional complexity but if you are a musician you start to feel like how can i make my music produce this this same feeling at least that's what i wanted because it's funny you bring up whitney houston and the fact that she had demons her brand did not allow for her to be fully human in her music in this way. Totally. Her fans wouldn't have allowed it. The producers wouldn't have allowed it. So I gravitated towards artists who weren't restricted in this way, you know, and were telling, they were communicating honest and sometimes uncomfortable things with their instruments um, or with their voices. So that started to become interesting to me. And then I don't know what it is, but the, the, the impact of someone playing an instrument like really precisely and fast and clean hit too. Like the first time I heard Ingvay Malmsteen, I was just like, Oh my God. Do man. <laughs> yeah. I was like this. And I, I just from that point started really drilling hours of, so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Cause like, I remember listening when we, when we did the Beata interview, you had some processes of like, you talked about like, like, when it rained using that as like, like sitting and like meditating on the rain as like a, like an inspiration for like, and then I started to feel like, fuck, I'm not like vibed out enough. Like I'm not connected enough with like the type of evocative source material that is kind of all around me. Cause I've kind of gone down this like technical 
uh, rabbit hole where I maybe my peripheral isn't incorporating the, my environment, you know, the things that could be a kind of inspiration. So it kind of gave me pause and I was like, I should think more about how I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, may I ask then, because you said something that just that played into that, that I'm I'm curious about in that uh, your your reason for following the Nirvana type of artist versus the Whitney type artist where their brand doesn't allow for that type of humanity. Were you interested in those emotions as just out of curiosity or because it resonated with you? Okay, good question. I didn't know I was interested in them because if you're only hearing top 40 pop music, it's like I love Phil Collins and I love, you know, there was the stuff that was on the radio constantly, great music, but there was the stuff that was underground or more alternative that was like way less palatable. And so these musical experiences were not even available to me because they weren't in, they weren't in the mainstream. So it was because actually guitar I started to search out guitar music and then I started to encounter like, whoa, there's these musical ideas that are just like challenging. And um, then I, I, so I remember this sounds kind of cheesy, but I remember hearing um, Metallica's black album and uh, it was like, nothing else matters. And it was like, damn, I remember the music video was this guy who was basically in this like prison and he grew old and slowly died over time. And the moment he was about to escape, he like finally falls dead. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, <laughs> there's something dark about it all that I just rarely encountered. And it was, it's kind of funny when you're uncomfortable, but you like it. You are, know? You, are you okay with like horror films and things like that? Do those things appeal to you? Horror done correctly gives me the same feeling. Hmm. So like, and I don't know, I know you protect your consciousness, but I also know you, you're, you're no stranger to the darkness. Mm -hmm. So um, there are conscious experiences that everyone experiences and the dark parts of our psyche don't really get encoded all the time in our art. When it comes to music, people just want to dance or have a love song or something. And to me, making metal is almost like making horror films. It is, it is acknowledging the dark part of the psych our psyche and giving it voice because most of the time we pretend that we don't have it. And so some horror is gratuitous violence and I don't think there's much value there, but when it's done correctly, it's as impactful as like an uncomfortable dream, which we all have, you know? And so I think I started, there's a certain power in this sort of uh, this, I don't, I don't want to just say dark side, but there's a certain gravity it has um a certain power that i found compelling it's not quite violent but it's like you know put on that first strapping and lad album and tell me it's not the type second, of <laughs> the second ones the second the one's second one. <laughs> and the fourth one's fucked but but uh, but i wonder because it's like the process of talking to people whom i respect like yourself and their process is is ultimately selfish because i'm trying to figure it out myself you know i'm 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 working on something new and I'm like, mm. every time I start a new process, the it gets rekindled. And and I'm wondering, and I may I may at the end of this think, oh, you know, it's it's of no value to me. But I wonder if the process of of analysis of of what your 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 intent is. For example, when you're talking about the complexity of those emotions, because they're like a jumble of things. It's not like happy, sad, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of things at once. And to be able to 
to be able to deconstruct that and be able to look at it in its individual parts, it's it's a similar process, I would imagine, as learning to refine a technically challenging piece. But the question is, um, is the interest in that, is it to do with like, uh, uh, just, you know, just throwing it out? Is it to do with, are we afraid of it? And we feel that we're less afraid by by confronting it? Or is it simply just curiosity? Or is it just, you know, do you have any guess? Well, or? so for me, it's because when I experience it, I like it. So if another artist communicates this type of complexity, um, I find it more stimulating than if it was just like, less complex in its emotional communication mm-hmm. and I, I actually feel this way about aesthetics like if you take brutalism like it's largely conc- concrete structures that are very geometric there's like this overt almost it doesn't look like human hands formed these structures there's almost like this um sort of like embracing of it's not soulless but it doesn't seem organic if that mm-hmm. makes sense it does yeah and they, yeah they have it has gravity and even the conspicuous like sh- there's lots of use of facets and angles and there's a lot of this i think the brain can take this sense data and even though you're looking at a structure it has some sort of weight emotionally inside of you you know um there's certain designers like Rick Owens or where it's like they'll do weird, almost ugly things on purpose. Mm. They'll, they'll, they'll make a garment that in some ways looks slightly deformed in some parts of the silhouette or they'll use materials that. So I, I think like with music, you can do a similar thing with contrast. So when you were describing trying to figure out to systematically produce this, emotional complexity sometimes it's literally just contrasting um melodic content that maybe shouldn't be right up against each other or textural elements that don't necessarily coexist and then the discord is actually greater than the sum of its parts and produces a type of like stimulus where you're like huh i feel something i don't know exactly what it is i like it but i'm also slightly uncomfortable um I think that's amazing. And I also think I follow this Instagram feed on brutalism as well, which I just, and it's, mm. I, I absolutely know what you mean in terms of that aesthetic. And I, I think that your description of it makes me think, well, I wonder if the thing that appeals to me about it is the fact that it looks like there's a construction involved with it. That's separate from, um, people in a way. <laughs> and I think it's when we talk, when you mentioned that, uh my affinity towards nature as an impetus to write i think it's coming from a similar thing and it's it's the problem is it 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 veers um uh very quickly into into uh theistic kinds of discussions which i think negates what it is that i'm i'm interested in it's mm. it's like a primal it's a primal intent you know, mm-hmm. and it's like with 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 the brutalism things that I follow, the architecture that that um, that I've seen that you're probably referring to. It's it is so profoundly it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and Un- I unapologetic, yeah. unapologetically it. And it's, it's, it's like the forces of nature too. It's like mount mountains for me ever since I was a kid. It's like, how do you represent the grandeur of its, of its like, um, complete obliviousness uh. to the plights and the dramas that, you know, we spend so much time, you know, uh, moaning about how do you represent that level of like um uh isness i don't know it's a hard thing to no isness is a good one yes yes (laughs) i know what you mean yeah but But, i I love that and i actually get that sense from you know some of your work where it's like it feels like a force of nature it feels as because storms and forces of nature are as indifferent as they are powerful Mm -hmm. like like if uh-huh. there's an isness that doesn't respect, <laughs> it just is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's you're, and you're in the wake of it. There's like you know, <laughs> you're gonna yeah, be grateful. <laughs> yes, and you you might be describing awe, like the experience of awe, where like you realize you are nothing, but it kind of feels good. <laughs> Not that it feels good, but it's to be obliterated. It's funny me me and my girlfriend were talking about this because we were like, we were talking about AI existential risk. Hmm. And we were talking about we were trying to think about these ways in which all the humans might die because we accidentally create something as powerful as like nuclear weapons. Sure. And then we were like, well, I'd rather die like that than like having an aneurysm on the toilet or something. <laughs> like, I'd rather see like, like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you feel me though? Like it oh, might dude. be worth dying to experience something so immense and awe like awe. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> well, I think it's the connection to it, perhaps in the last millisecond, you know, it's yeah. it, because I think a lot of the fear for things like either the forces of nature or AI, if we even, you know, is, is the fact that it seems, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it's not compassionate towards our perceived struggle, but I think what if in the last millisecond, you know, there's a earthquake or you're 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 you know if you're if as awful as it could be for your loved ones and all these things you're like oh i'm a part of this this is just what happens mm-hmm. it's like in, an ultimate surrender in a sense yeah in a sense and there's a complexity to that too that that forces you to to remove your 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 yourself in order yes. to in order to participate in that uh awe uh, yes, you, but you also, must be obliterated. You like must be obliterated. A, <laughs> yes. But it's also funny because I think awe is also uh, uh, maybe a problematic word in the sense of 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 what we're speaking about because it it implies a, a you know this this um, uh, uh, a surrender that is still very human because mm. it's like oh my god as opposed right. to what well, you are that awe like it's just the earthquake uh, in your smushed body is like a lot more i think uh it's rom- much more romantic than dying on the shitter with an aneurysm <laughs> <laughs> yes you would men- you would mention the state of flow um could you could you maybe define that okay apparently flow is a psychological conscious state of experience that usually comes when you have a balance of whether it's uh, 
challenge. There, there needs to be a slightly structured context for it. So usually sports will produce this or uh, driving a car really fast, or um, it could be as simple as swimming a bunch of laps, but it's because of uh, the low level. How do I put this? It is basically a, a, a conscious state that feels um, as if you are fully integrated to what you're doing to where it almost feels effortless. And you don't experience the passage of time in the same way. So it is kind of a unique state of consciousness where you feel like you're in the flow. You know, I guess some athletes will describe maybe they hit like a half point shot at the buzzer and they just it's almost like they're watching themselves. It's like they or things are in slow motion or they it's hard to explain how they did it, but they did this thing, you know. A lot of athletes, I think, talk about these types of conscious states, but so do, I think whenever we go to see a performer and if they're really in the zone, there's a type of self-transcendence. Um, I think why I think it's why dance is utilized so readily in a lot of religious um, rituals. We, we do things to try to induce flow states, whether we know it or not. It's on the continuum of a transcendent state of consciousness. Um, but the whole point is to like almost experience your own consciousness on a different level that almost feels higher you know when you when you participate in a flow state the content or the the um the flow the things that come out of you in that state um do you think this is something like a collective unconscious that you're tapping into or do you think it's just what is it that when you're in that state of flow, when it when it's coming out of you without yourself in the way, if I'm getting that correctly. Mm -hmm. So what is that? What is what is it? What is what is the what is the isness, right? Like so is is the is the intent when you're in that flow state to represent something that is again beyond yourself? Or is there an intent or or is it just a, the joy of of surrendering to something that is uh without that effort of of like self-analysis yes the self-analysis part because when you're in a flow state you are less you're not self-critical you've transcended this analytical part of your brain mm. you're it's almost like you're more channeling you're just doing mm. like sim similar to isness is being mm. like the fundamental state of being um and so you know, you talked about maybe escaping yourself to let something else come through. And I think, I think our conscious minds do a lot of work and sometimes that's impeding the experiences of our consciousness that are not verbal and not analytical. And I think music oftentimes is an expression that is, even though you can put words to music, music it's not like reading, <laughs> you know, it's not like hearing words, just hearing words. There's an emotional, energetic translation of things that we usually try to put words to. So I think getting to these flow states feel like you, you're more directly accessing this ineffable part of your conscious experience. It's less about the choices you're just doing. You're letting the, it's happening. You know what I mean? I wonder why that's so satisfying as an artist to, to be in that state. I think it feels good even I don't know if you consider athletes artists but of course yeah you know it would seem that as artists or athletes we have taken our bodies and we've attempted to 
use them in this way, like a skill set over time that requires like this conscious intent and this refinement of coordination and skill. And then you can get to these states where you feel like you're automatically doing these things. And I think why it feels good is because as someone who's learned to meditate almost 20 years ago, um, there are conscious states that are blissful almost because they are not your normal waking like sense of self with all the chatter in your mind and all of the fucking, all the other shit. Like a, a deep endless ocean is right behind just under the surface of us chatting is this endless depth of like consciousness that is us too. And so unfortunately, if we're awake, we're conscious. If we're asleep, we're fucking unconscious to access this other state where you can experience the true depth of your consciousness. Sometimes it only comes from these flow states. It's like a taste of like the infinite ocean that is always you sort of thing. It's interesting that it's so celebrated by humanity as well, because it seems like there's a fundamental recognition of it in others when it's demonstrated either through music or dance or, or anything. Yes. We love people who access these slow states. We love what they create. We love watching them and watch someone do something amazingly. You're like, Oh my God. You know? Um, Also we've encoded it into like, like I said, there's a lot of religious rituals and there's a lot of secular religion, secular rituals that also attempt to, to get there. But what has sucked is most cultures have kind of branded in a certain way. Like, So if you're not a religious person, you might be averse to some of this talk or it sounds like woo or it sounds hippy dippy or something. But it's like. If you're curious about consciousness as a phenomena, then it kind of opens up a different angle to perceiving what maybe spiritual and religious people have been obsessed with, but maybe getting slightly wrong in a way. And so I think as songwriters and as people who make music, like I think when people are listening to our stuff hopefully they're occasionally act feeling like they're escaping themselves to some degree and experiencing a, a deeper state of there's something about the music, you know, that is producing this conscious experience that feels transcendent. It feels more than mundane. Interesting. I've got, I've got friends, a couple of friends simultaneously um, uh, insisted. I read the God delusion, the Richard Dawkins mm, book, Richard Dawkins. Yeah. Maybe and, don't read it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I got through a bunch of it. Um, and I think the thing that, that, uh, because I'm, I'm not smart enough to really know much about anything to be perfectly honest. But one thing I think when I think about all these like, like aggressive arguments between atheistic thought and theistic thought or, or whatever is it's just mm-hmm. when you're describing the process of making music, it seems like it's a combination of two. So it's like, it's like the awe of the infinite ocean that is us, but through scientific method in a way, because mm-hmm. you're you're processing it through your through your technique, and that the further you get into a into a flow state, however you 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 get there, um, I think that it's almost like each layer of you that gets removed over time. It's it's uh, uh, it's invisible to you at the time. Like I, I you know where I'm at right now, I know that. You know, I I know the nature of me at this point, but once I get through this album, and I know this is as arrogant as it gets, but once I get through this album, then on the other side of it, then this passage of time that has included all these 
points of interest, whether or not it's a certain book or it's a certain film or it's a certain type of sound or a certain, like you say, minimalism in a certain thing or a, a certain type of DAW or whatever. Once you've worked through that, it's almost like the process of creating strips away the parts of you that that are attached to those aesthetic qualities. Because I noticed with yourself, too, it's like it changes every record. Every record, it's a different look. So that would imply mm-hmm. that it's like, well, this is in line with my current interests, mm-hmm. right? So when you... Um, so let me just look at my questions here. Thanks for talking to me, dude. This is great. Thank you. No, I love it. Um, so what are the other ones here? <laughs> I guess switching gears here and going back to um, people who might be watching this who are musicians themselves or artists themselves or writers themselves. Um, And I've been asked a lot recently, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to start doing this. It's uh, with the Internet now, people have a hard time being seen. You know, it's like it's a hard hard to get out there. It's hard. You, You put all your life and all your effort into making this work and no one sees it. And then you're you're in this position where it's like, well, what does this mean about me? You know, the things that that are so important to me, me being in that flow state, me finding ways to represent the ineffable qualities of me clearly mean nothing to anybody because I can't get this stuff heard. (laughs) So do you think that as an artist, do you think that there's, uh, I guess, number one, uh, any advice you would give to them on a practical level? And number two, do you still feel that way? Do you still feel like uh, competitive with other people when it comes to your work? Mm. Maybe I'll answer the second question first. Go for it. Okay, what sucks about what I'm doing, Devin, is the whole guitar Olympics part of it. <laughs> you know, where it's like, oh, okay, well, I got to make sure there's some fancy guitar playing here. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so much talent, bro. My explore page has the most insane guitar players that you never knew exist. It's just like, it's amazing, but it's also like, well, I'm never going to be as fast as that guy. Jesus Christ. You know? So then I'm like, well, I can't place my value on out shredding someone because ain't going to win that one. You know? Who's that guy that plays the Abassi Concepts things that's just a ripper, man? It's like Steven Toronto uh this dude Baxty we have a few you're just like how does it sound like this (laughs) and bro you've like recorded albums with Steve I and you're still like uh okay so (laughs) what the fuck oh that was great for me as a young because I could tap out right like I was like yeah no I'm just gonna play you know fifths and octaves like you know on open and two for the rest of my career right and you you also shred you also sound great so then it's kind of like it can be true that I am not the fastest, cleanest guitar player, but I still, I don't have to make it a competition. Let's put it that way. So I've had to talk myself down from like, what is my musical value? Is it this? Is it this sort of like shred value thing where I'm like, I always wanted that to just be one part of the puzzle. It wasn't like the center thing. So it has caused me to be like, I also have this aversion to things that I see everywhere where I kind of want to pivot and do a different thing, not because I don't like it, but just because I see it all the time. Um, I do this with fashion. I do this like I just have a hard time feeling like part of a herd 
um, this weird pathological commitment to individuality. Um, <laughs> so, so then, and it might be even egoic, honestly, I'm sure that's part of it too. But what's nice about the amount of amazing technical players is that it's making me like, okay, well, if I'm not going to compete on that dimension, what, what else of musical value do I think I can bring? Because clearly there's a lot of shredders to choose from now. So, you know, <laughs> So what's your answer to that? Because that's a great point, man. I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel exactly the same. I know I feel exactly the same way. Like, so what do you tell yourself in those moments? Has anything well, stopped? You, yeah, you you lean on what is distinct about your sound. Like no one's gonna be you more than you're you. And so I'll I'll recalibrate what I think is valuable in my music. I might even listen back to older stuff. I'll do like, I'll be like, okay, so if I had to distill what I think is really impactful about what I'm doing with the instrument, um, what do I think I can amplify? And, and I think melodic choices is, is no one is mad at impactful melodic, you know, no one is upset of a, a melody they can't forget or something that made them feel, feel <laughs> something. <laughs> and you know what? It's a, It's actually very hard to do. It arguably might be harder than like getting your metronome up really high and, and hitting all the notes correct. And that's, I think that's where the poetry of, of music lies anyway. It's like, why is it that these five notes together feel like this? I just, I want to put this song on again. You know, it's like, there's this thing. Wait. So I'm, yeah. No, 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 sorry, my mistake. Well, no, that, that's basically, that's it, it as far as. It lends credence to all that we've been talking about. I think it's a pretty good place to wrap it up too. It's like, if you're starting or if you're in the midst of it and you're trying to be uh you're trying to get your 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 music heard you're trying to get your art or your literature heard there's only you and so if you focus your intent on identifying what it is about your process that maybe even not on an analytical way it's like well what is it about what i do and who i am that i really love or i really hate or I'm really sad about, or what have you. And if you can identify that in a way that the melodic ideas, because like you say, there's 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 always going to be an Olympics for technique, whether or not that's athletic or musical, but there's no necessarily a need for a competition for melodies. There's room for as many of those as you can, you know, everybody who's making beautiful melodic content, it's not a competition, as far right. as I can tell, whose melodic content is more... Who's singing faster? Yeah, right. Who's singing? <laughs> <laughs> so in a sense, it's like, okay, well, just focus on identifying the parts of you that uh, you can represent. And I think that takes a lot of like um, uh, getting through the fear of it, getting through the fear of complicated emotions or the fear of failure or the fear of success. And and I think on the other side of that, the, the melodic things that you – because what you do melodically, what you guys do melodically – I you know I've never heard it before, mm. and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact is that you're aware of, mm. and you know you mentioned meditation. It's like to be able to to be able to observe your your process and to be able to observe your your egocentric um, you know panic while you're sitting there is probably a, a, a great way to identify it too. It's like oh I do that clearly I do that. And I like this and I don't like that. And this freaks me out and whatever. And then when you're able to sit down with your instrument at those moments when your instrument yields to you, you're able to 
have a clearer picture and things like the flow state as well. You're able to have a clearer picture with less baggage of who you think you are and more of a awareness of who you are. I mean, I know there's bands that I listen to and when I, when I get uh, envious, I'm like, Oh, that's fucking great. Oh my God. You hear that? That's like, Oh my God. That's makes me think that everything I, I'm playing with puppets and I like farts and I'm like, Oh my God. You know <laughs> what I mean? But at the end of it, it's like any, uh, any um, approximation that I make of somebody else is always going to be suspicious. But if you focus on, okay, well this dude, this is who I am. I know myself and this is who I am. Then mm -hmm. I think that the people who uh, will listen, uh, you never have to remember anything. You never have to lie about anything because you're like, no, man, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, no, dude, that is your whole thing. And it, it's interesting touring with you because it's funny. We did a we did a tour with you and there was a meet and greet and we were doing a group meet and greet. But it was like the Devin fans, they are here to meet <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of farts and that, and puppets, man. <laughs> yeah and i was like okay this guy has kind of like a cult of personality thing going on where it's like they're connecting i think in a lot of ways beyond the music but i think it's because of the unapologetic individuality it's like bro hearing you on that last tour i'm like no one sounds like this holy sh like it's it's all the things it is a mountain it is a storm and it is you and it's like i think you have this commitment to like endlessly and uncovering expressing who you are through your music and so i wouldn't i wouldn't change anything i mean i think it takes a bit of obsession but unfortunately that's i i i sense a similar thing uh with you it's it it represents itself in a in a uh uh arguably a more refined way than some of the less farts less farts a lot less farts i've sent you a couple of memes and you'd be like dude i am not into that man and i was like oh dude, wait. i wait i was looking for the email for the link and then oh, i found emails no. from you with some yeah. art some photoshop shit you were making <laughs> and i'm gonna send these to you because it's from like 2014 i don't think oh the photos of you and i yeah dude oh i you know like it face swapped us and all kind of shit <laughs> so anyway yeah um. well you know it's like <laughs> you gotta be you right and i think that there's again it's like there's 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 room for both of us and uh but i just i really appreciate you man i really and javier likewise I, I fucking love javier man matt i i just but being with you guys is is so inspiring because it's like it's uh you know, when I when I talk to you, I I could um I could forgive myself for thinking that that your your uh appreciation of these complex emotions was based on on like an academic curiosity. But dude, I see you guys out there, and it's like real. You guys are a passionate <laughs> group of dudes, man. Yeah, and it's we're, like we're... <laughs> you know, and so I know that that's that's like, and I hear it in the music, and man, I just I appreciate so much that you are actively pushing. Uh, towards melodic and conceptual ideas that are are not the norm because man <laughs> we need all the help we can get right yes i think you just got to be yourself man because and again for anybody listening if what you're doing doesn't fit in just do it anyway because that's who anyway. you are you know and it's like fuck it man and maybe that will yield something cool and maybe it won't but at the end of the day, the honesty is what's going to get you through the door, I think, in my opinion. It's what's going to get people to resonate with it, too, because they I can agree. they can sense it. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I love man. you. It's great talking to you. And uh, I, I hope you your too, weekend's man. good. And thank you so much for uh, taking the time on a Sunday night. 
My pleasure, Devin. All right. See you, buddy. Peace. Cheers. The tools that make this podcast possible provided by Roswell Microphones and X-Vive.